0: Chapter 14, Part 1 of The Commentaries on the Laws of England, Book 2, by William Blackstone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roy Haynes. Of Title by Descent, Part 1. The several gradations and stages requisite to form a complete title to lands, tenements, and hereditaments having been briefly stated in the preceding chapter, we are next to consider the several manners in which this complete title, and therein principally the right of propriety, may be reciprocally lost and acquired, whereby the dominion of things real is either continued or transferred from one man to another. And here we must first of all observe that, as gain and loss are terms of relation and of a reciprocal nature, by whatever method one man gains in estate, by that same method or its correlative, some other man has lost it. As where the heir acquires by descent the ancestor has first lost or abandoned the estate by his death, where the Lord gains land by a shed, The estate of the tenant is first of all lost by the natural or legal extinction of all his hereditary blood. Where a man gains an interest by occupancy, the former owner has previously relinquished his right of possession. Where one man claims by prescription or immemorial usage, another man has either parted with his right by an ancient and now forgotten grant or has forfeited it by the supineness or neglect of himself and his ancestors for ages. And so, in case of forfeiture, the tenant, by his own misbehavior or neglect, has renounced his interest in the estate, whereupon it devolves to that person who by law may take advantage of such default, and, in alienation by common assurances, the two considerations of loss and acquisition are so interwoven and so constantly contemplated together that we never hear of a conveyance without at once receiving the idea as well of the grantor as the grantee. The methods, therefore, of acquiring on the one hand and of losing on the other, a title to estates and things real, are reduced by our law to two. descent, where the title is vested in a man by the single operation of law and Purchase, where the title is vested in him by his own act or agreement. Descent or hereditary succession, is the title whereby a man on the death of his ancestor acquires his estate by right of representation as his heir-at-law. An heir, therefore, is he upon whom the law calls the estate immediately on the death of the ancestor, and an estate so descending to the heir is in law called the inheritance. The doctrine of dissents or law of inheritance in fee simple is a point of the highest importance and is indeed the principal object of the laws of real property in England. All the rules relating to purchases whereby the legal course of dissents is broken and altered perpetually refer to this settled law of inheritance as a datum or first principle universally known, and upon which their subsequent limitations are to work. Thus, a gift in tail, or to a man and the heirs of his body, is a limitation that cannot be perfectly understood without a previous knowledge of the law of descent in fee simple. One may well perceive that this is an estate confined in its descent to such heirs only of the donee, as have sprung or shall spring from his body. But who those heirs are, whether all his children, both male and female, or the male only, and, among the males, whether the eldest, youngest, or other son alone, or all of the sons together, shall be his heir. This is a point that we must result back to the standing law of descent in fee simple to be informed of. In order, therefore, to treat a matter of this universal consequence the more clearly, I shall endeavor to lay aside such matters as will only tend to breed embarrassment and confusion in our inquiries, and shall confine myself entirely to this one object. I shall, therefore, decline considering at present who are and who are not capable of being heirs, reserving that for the chapter of Eschetz. I shall also pass over the frequent division of descents into those by custom, statute, and common law; for descents by particular custom, as to all the sons in Gabalkind, and the youngest in borough English, have already often been hinted at, and may also be incidentally touched upon again, but will not make a separate consideration by themselves in a system so general as the present and dissents by statute, or feet tail, per formandoni, in pursuance of the statute of Westminster II, have also been already copiously handled, and as it has been seen, that the descent in tail is restrained and regulated according to the words of the original donation, and does not entirely pursue the common law doctrine of inheritance, which, and which only, It will now be our business to explain. And, as this depends not a little on the nature of kindred and the several degrees of consanguinity, it will be previously necessary to state, as briefly as possible, the true notion of this kindred or alliance in blood. Consanguinity, or kindred, is defined by the writers on these subjects to be vinculum personarum abe odem, Stipiti descendentium, the connection or relation of persons descended from the same stock or common ancestor. This consanguinity is either lineal or collateral. Lineal consanguinity is that which subsists between persons of whom one is descended in direct line from the other, as between John Stiles, the propositus in the table of consanguinity, and his father grandfather great grandfather and so upwards in the direct ascending line or between john styles and his son grandson great grandson and so downwards in the direct descending line every generation in this lineal direct consanguinity constitutes a different degree reckoning either upwards or downwards the father of john styles is related to him in the first degree and so likewise is his son, his grandsire and grandson in the second, his great grandsire and great grandson in the third. This is the only natural way of reckoning the degrees in the direct line, and therefore universally obtains as well in the civil and canon as in the common law. The doctrine of lineal consanguinity is sufficiently plain and obvious. But it is at first view astonishing to consider the number of lineal ancestors which every man has, with no very great number of degrees, and so many different bloods is a man said to contain in his veins as he hath lineal ancestors. Of these, he hath two in the first ascending degree, his own parents. He hath four in the second, the parents of his father, and the parents of his mother. He hath eight in the third, the parents of his two grandfathers and two grandmothers, and, by the same rule of progression, he hath an hundred and twenty-eight in the seventh, a thousand and twenty-four in the tenth, and at the twentieth degree, or the distance of twenty generations, every man hath above a million of ancestors, as common arithmetic will demonstrate. This lineal consanguinity, we may observe, Fall strictly within the definition of vinculum personarum abe odem stipite descendentium, since lineal relations are such as descend from one the other, and both, of course, from the same common ancestor. Collateral kindred answers to the same description. Collateral relations agreeing with the lineal in this, that they descend from the same stock or ancestor, but differing in this, that they do not descend from each other. Collateral kinsmen are such then as linearly spring from one and the same ancestor who is the stirps or root, the stipes, trunk, or common stock from whence these relations are branched out. As if John Stiles hath two sons who have each a numerous issue. Both these issues are linearly descended from John Stiles As their common ancestor, and they are collaterally kinsmen to each other, because they are all descended from this common ancestor, and all have a portion of his blood in their veins, which denominates them consanguineos. We must be careful to remember that the very being of collateral consanguinity consists in this descent from one and the same common ancestor. Thus, Titius and his brother are related. Why? Because both are derived from one father. Titius and his first cousin are related. Why? Because both descend from the same grandfather. And his second cousin's claim to consanguinity is this, that they both are derived from one and the same great-grandfather. In short, as many ancestors as a man has, so many common stocks he has, from which collateral kinsmen may be derived and as we are taught by holy writ that there is one couple of ancestors belonging to us all from whence the whole race of mankind is descended the obvious and undeniable consequence is that all men are in some degree related to each other for indeed if we only suppose each couple of our ancestors to have left one with another two children and each of those children, on an average, to have left two more, and, without such a supposition, the human species must be daily diminishing, we shall find that all of us have now subsisting near 270 millions of kindred in the fifteenth degree, at the same distance from the several common ancestors as ourselves are, besides those that are one or two descents nearer to or farther from the common stock, who may amount to as many more. And, if this calculation should appear incompatible with the number of inhabitants on the earth, it is because, by intermarriages among the several descendants from the same ancestor, a hundred or a thousand modes of consanguinity may be consolidated in one person, or he may be related to us a hundred or a thousand different ways. The method of computing these degrees in the canon law, which our law has adopted, is as follows. We begin at the common ancestor and reckon downwards. And, in whatsoever degree, the two persons, or the most remote of them, is distant from the common ancestor, that is the degree in which they are related to each other. Thus Titius and his brother are related in the first degree for from the father to each of them is counted only one. Titius and his nephew are related in the second degree, for the nephew is two degrees removed from the common ancestor, viz. his own grandfather, the father of Titius. Or, to give a more illustrious instance from our English annals, King Henry Seventh, who flew Richard Third in the Battle of Bosworth, was related to that prince in the fifth degree. Let the propositus therefore in the table of consanguinity represent King Richard III and the class marked King Henry Seventh. Now their common stock or ancestor was King Edward III, the abavus in the same table. From him to Edmund, Duke of York, the proavus is one degree. To Richard, Earl of Cambridge, the avus, two. To Richard, Duke of York, the Potter, three, to King Richard III, the Propositus, four, and from King Edward III to John of Gantt is one degree, to John Earl of Somerset, two, to John Duke of Somerset, three, to Margaret Countess of Richmond, four, to King Henry VII, five. Which last-mentioned prince? being the farthest removed from the common stock, gives the denomination to the degree of kindred in the canon and municipal law. Though, according to the computation of the civilians who count upwards from either of the persons related to the common stock and then downwards again to the other, reckoning a degree for each person both ascending and descending, these two princes were related in the ninth degree. For from King Richard III to Richard, Duke of York, is 1 degree, to Richard, Earl of Cambridge, 2, to Edmund, Duke of York, 3, to King Edward III, the common ancestor, 4, to John Gant, 5, to John, Earl of Somerset, 6, to John, Duke of Somerset, 7, to Margaret, Countess of Richmond, 8, to King Henry VII, 9. End of chapter 14, part one.